Greetings and salutations, everybody. This is Isha Montgomery. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 13 of Hope Speaks, and I'm so glad that you're here and that you're joining me. I just wanted to take the time to just thank you for tuning in. Um, So tonight we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. I'm going to be reading you some poetry. I'm going to be talking about the struggles of being an entrepreneur. We're going to be discussing forgiveness and how to keep peace in the ever-changing world. And I, I think I even want to give you a personal tidbit about how I came to believe in Jesus Christ, right? Because everybody has, I'm going to call it their salvation story. I want to tell y'all mine tonight, right? Okay. So the first poem I'm going to read for you is called Not Giving Up. I don't got much to give. In this late night session, but I'm going to turn a little into a lot. Add water to the juice I brought. Shake it up and keep it moving, one foot in front of the other. The right never questioning what the left is doing. Keeping to the pace of the horizon's music. Casting off doubters. Their hate is foolish. We live among zombies, the walking ruthless. But when your stomach is knocking on rock bottom, it's hard to make legitimate excuses. It's downright useless. Get it legally or parlay with the streets that leave dragons toothless. But we press on, knowing the struggle won't last forever and a brighter day is coming along. As long as you give your goals fuel and stay strong, look out into the ominous crowd. I bet you see a detractor, someone who compared your genius to Mad Hatter, talk about a social disaster. What people called you in the past, present, and future doesn't matter. They knew you had dreams, so they set fire to your ladder. Figured you wouldn't be able to get to the top with no Stairmaster, but not giving up means you look for new answers. And again, the name of this poem is Not Giving Up. And that's from my book, Bright Side of the Pale Moon, available on Amazon. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so, um, OMG, OMG. I, I just want to talk to y'all right quick. So, I'm going to be completely transparent right now. Being an entrepreneur is, is, is stressful. It's difficult sometimes. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a poet. I always work to bring, I'm a blogger, self-published. You know, everything I do, I work so hard to create. I spend so many hours, so many restless nights, so many moments wondering if anyone's even listening, if they care, if they're reading. And, and, and it's gone to a point where I'm not mad at people, but there's been so many times I've been disappointed. Not so much in my friends, but in my family, because they know I write, but then they'll treat it like it's nothing. They don't they don't need to buy the books, but they could at least support the dream, you know, say positive things to me. But so often, like the way they talk to me or the type of things that they say, it makes me feel as though they don't understand. The same way that you put hours into your job, I put hours into writing. I put hours into reading. I put hours into reading about other writers, studying. I put hours into learning my craft. I didn't learn how to do a podcast overnight. I didn't learn how to write overnight. I didn't learn how to do poetry overnight. I didn't start blogging overnight. All this stuff took time. Learning how to format took time. Learning how to edit takes time. And I'm still learning all these things because you learn and you make mistakes as you go. This is the process. You just can't jump in the pool and already be 
perfect at everything. This is a process. And it's a hard learning curve. Editing books, that is a pain in my butt. It's stressful. I'm sorry, I just got to keep it real. It's stressful. All of these things are difficult. Okay, there are days, there are times, there are moments when I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I feel like I'm over it, but I keep on going anyway. And the thing that people got to realize is this. I chose to invest in what God put in my heart to invest in, and that's writing. That's being a poet. I didn't invest my money into clothes. I didn't invest my money into hair. I didn't invest my money into shoes. I didn't invest my money into the things that many people my age have invested their money into. I have invested my money, thousands of dollars, into writing. And when I'm not writing, I'm working as a contractor. I do brand ambassador work. I do contracting work. I go out there and I talk to people about different products and I sell them on it. I do different types of marketing events. I don't sit around working a nine to five just to say I got one. I have spent thousands of dollars. My time, I've spent my integrity working towards building a career that most people will never understand. So when people speak to me and they act as though I'm not working on anything, not only does it irritate me, but it shows me where they're at psychologically because they don't understand. This is more than just my dream. This is my calling. This is what I feel passionate about. When I'm writing, I feel happy. When I'm editing, no matter how frustrated it is or how frustrating I am by it, I come back for more. It keeps me coming back. Like four flats on a Cadillac, but you still want to get the car fixed. It keeps me coming back. Even when the engine's running on empty and it's just the coolant won't stay in, I keep on going forward because that is what matters to me. And, and, and more importantly, I feel as though God wouldn't have placed it in my heart to have such a desire to write unless there was a purpose for it. And I do feel that there is a purpose for it. So if you're listening and if you love what I do, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being there. Because at the end of the day, so many people act as though the arts are dead. I can't be one of those people who sells my soul to get by. I'm not that type of artist. I'm not going to start posing half naked to sell poetry or to be a rapper, to be a singer, anything like that. I am a writer and I love what I do. And I'm not going to sell myself short. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to give my rights over to people if they don't care about my work. I'm not going to sell all my stuff out. I'm going to rely on the God who created me to provide for me. And I'm going to put my best foot forward. That's all I can do. And if people don't understand that, then clearly they don't understand me. And clearly they don't care about the vision that God placed in my soul. Because I'm not going to change unless God has me to change. And I'm not going to stop fighting unless I'm told to stop fighting for what I want. For what I believe in. And for what gives me purpose every morning. Okay? And that's just that. Some people out here. They've, they've done what they've done. I haven't judged them. A lot of these people saying whatever, whatever to me. These are people who done had three, four children. They done went on to do this and that. I put off having children and starting a family to focus on building something for myself. Because I want to tell my children, mommy fought for what she believed in. 
I just didn't want to start having children and I'm not married and I don't and I don't have my career together. I wanted to build something first. Love wasn't the first thing on my mind. I went through seven years of college. And that was my choice. I went through seven years. I did hard time in an institution that cared nothing for me, that belittled me, that didn't respect my presence there. And I fought and I did well. And I even got my master's degree paid for. But at the end of the day, a lot of people don't respect that. And I don't need them to. But what I need them to understand is when you see a young person or even an older person with a dream, you don't have to like it. But you darn sure shouldn't be throwing charcoal and ashes on it either. Sometimes you had to sit in silence and realize that maybe they aspire to do things that I can't relate to, but I should respect nonetheless. Because guess what? No offense to the strippers, but I'm not out here on a pole. No offense to the drug dealers, I'm not out here selling. I am doing things legitimately in a respectful manner. Doing something to make my household and my family and myself feel good about who we are as a people, right? I'm not out here degrading myself. Therefore, I shouldn't be treated as though I am. I think nowadays we're so focused on a finished product, we don't respect the work. And it takes work to get somewhere. It takes work to get to the top of the mountain. You don't just start off at the at the top. You usually start off in the valley. You had to climb your way up. I don't mind starting off in the valley. I believe that God can bless me there in the wilderness. I believe that God can still speak to me in the wilderness. That way when I get to the mountaintop, I'll know what his voice sounds like. I don't want to keep on living a life where I'm not enthusiastic about what I do because someone told me that I had to work a nine to five to be alive. I don't want to live like that. I watched my dad live and die that way. I've seen so many people give everything and walk out with nothing. And it's not because they weren't decent people. It's because the job didn't care about them. It's because they were doing things that didn't make them feel fulfilled inside. My spirit can't be dampened by a job that don't care about me. And that's why I'm fighting for what I want. So if you're here and if you're listening, I want to say another time over again, because I already told you two, three times. Thank you for listening. And if you're an entrepreneur, I want to tell you, baby, keep on going. Don't give up. Don't listen to what these haters say. Don't let them get you down. Because the fact that you don't compromise, that is beauty and that is art and that is poetry within itself. Don't compromise for people that won't compromise for you. And I want to read you a message I posted today on my blogs. I got two blogs. I got pureloveisha.com and black20some.com. That's B-A-L-C-K. I'm sorry, that's B-L-A-C-K 2020-something, S-O-M-E-T-I-N. Wait, did I just spell that all wrong? Let me start over. B-L-A-C-K 20-S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N.com. Sorry, I, I get hype when I'm talking and then, <laughs> you know, I get excited. And I didn't know what I was spelling for a second. But anyways, um, let me read you a message I put on my pureloveisha.com. Don't think about plans that fell through. Better lies ahead of you. The ants don't worry about approaching boots on the ground. They keep working, 
carrying crumbs 20 times their weight, securing the hill they must maintain. Much like the small yet determined ants, you must keep going. The closed doors stop short of rejection. They are a turning point in a long journey that you started with help from friends and lots of prayer. Never feel that your efforts and your struggle is in vain. Love always, Isha. And I just want to tell you right now, a lot of times we have desires for ourselves and people may not understand it. It's really not for them to understand. This year and last year, I would say the last maybe three, three, four years I've been writing solid. I've been learning about the beauty and the struggle of perseverance. I know now why a piece of coal takes so long to become a diamond. It's because it needs pressure. It needs steady, constant, unrelenting, jaw-breaking, mind-numbing, soul-freezing pressure. It needs pressure so hard that everything that was once black turns to clear beauty. There's no way that you can get something as beautiful as a diamond without sacrifice. And I want to let all the entrepreneurs know that you are the diamond in the rough. You are the dream that keeps on dreaming. You are the hope of of generations past. And you can't give up just because people want you to. You can't give in. You can't break. Because I believe that God will not withhold any good thing from his children. I personally believe that it's coming to a point where many people want you to give up. Because they gave up not so long ago. And they knew people who gave up. And those people who they knew knew people who gave up. But that doesn't mean that you have to succumb to what people desire. And I know it hurts because it's hurting me right now. But at the end of the day, it hurts way more to have a dream that you don't go after than it does to have a dream that hard, that's hard to climb towards. You know what I'm saying? It just, it, it's one of those things. Where you can keep on going with the punches or you can just let yourself get punched till you stop going. So I want to read you a poem right now and it's called The Stairs. The Stairs. The luminous glow of breaking sunshine is dimmed in the hallway leading up to my salvation. The shadows of past footsteps lay in the steep darkness of flashing bulbs, dwindling to a close, offset by a backdrop of chestnut wooden planks leading down. Urge me to keep inching forward. Sweat drips from a brow unmaintained by a damping cloth. It flows like hot maple syrup between my supple breasts. I look down at the power which carries me upward and onward. The legs which grew apart were brought together by a trek intent on 
pushing togetherness. The steps seemed to last forever. I gripped the side rails for support, but my hands slide ever so slightly. And I slip out of balance with my stride, but I keep walking toward the light anyway. My calves are stronger than they were yesterday. I curve my attention when fatigue creeps in between the creases of my thighs. Just as my spirits rise, my eyes fell on the stairs with polarizing singularity. The luminous glow of breaking sunshine is dimmed in the hallway leading up to my salvation. The shadows of past footsteps. Again, the name of that poem is The Stairs. And, you know, I just want to, um, I just want to take an opportunity to, to talk about what it means to be a poet, right? So I got a rejection, um, message and I want to say it was like a, a week and a half ago now. Like, you know, I get so, I get so many of them. And it was a rejection for being in this, um, actually I probably got two rejection emails in the last month alone. And it was a rejection for being in a, um, a magazine for poetry. And another one was a rejection for being in a blog for poetry. But if you knew how many poems I turned in that I've never even heard from, regarding whether or not I've been selected, your jaw would drop. Because as a poet and as an artist, you get used to the concept of rejection. And I thank God for my experiences in college. You know, I was um I was at a Thanksgiving dinner with my cousin, with my family shortly after my father died. And my cousin looked me square in my eyes, God bless his soul. And he told me, he said, you ain't do nothing with that degree, with those degrees you got. I guess there's no use in you going to college. I said, yeah, I guess you're right. But I can say this of college. I'm thankful that I went because it got me used to rejection. Every time I applied for grants, every time I applied for scholarships, every time I applied to be in different internship programs, I would be rejected. I would say an average of maybe 90% of the time, but it made it worth it. Every 10% I was accepted because that 10% of the time I was accepted, I paid for $60,000 were for loans because I didn't have to pay for my graduate degree. No, God paid for that. I got scholarships. So that was another 10,000 easy on top of the graduate degree I didn't have to pay for. I got grants. You know why? It's because I was used to being rejected. So every time I would receive a rejection letter, I would look at it, I would read it, and I would move forward. And that's what college taught me. It taught me how to deal with rejection. A lot of people out here, they ain't did nothing but work the nine to five because they're scared of rejection. I want to encourage you now. If you're one of those people that's scared of rejection, baby, I want to encourage you to get used to it. Get used to rejection. Take it as a sign of the fact that things are getting better. Because in order for you to get to acceptance, you have to go through rejection. I get scared of people who've had everything handed to them on a silver platter. I get scared of people who've never heard the word no. I get scared of people who've never gotten used to being turned down and disappointed. Because I understand that they don't understand the amount of work that it takes to get somewhere. It takes work to get somewhere. It takes blood, sweat, and tears to go through the process of hearing no, no, no. But then to still have a yes in your spirit. The God I serve. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
didn't make me to give up easy. He built me with a strong sense of determination. Because even when I cry, I keep on going. Even when I'm irritated, I don't stop. Even when I'm at my breaking point, I reach out for help. Because God knows I'll be breaking down to the floor, still reaching out for his glory. I don't stop until God tells me it's time to let it go. I don't know the meaning of the word, no, unless it comes to, 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 you know, to someone not wanting me to invade their private space. Because when it comes to me and my career, I keep on going, baby. I don't stop. I don't stop. I'm persistent. I'm persevering. I'm like the rain when it's falling down hard, sliding through wooden shingles on a roof. I keep on going even when I slide into the gutter because I don't stop. Because I know that it's only a matter of time that I go from the gutter to the streets. Because if the water keeps on falling, I will rise up to the point where I will take over the whole block when I swell. I don't care about what people say about me because I know that when I go to where God is bringing me to, those will be the same people telling me they believed I could do it. And I will smile at them with glee and say, thank you for your support. Knowing in my heart, they didn't support me at all because at the end of the day, I know that some people are in too much pain to support me because they didn't believe that they had anything better waiting for them. I'm here to tell you now, There's something better waiting for you. I don't care about what the people say. I don't care about the naysayers. The naysayers ain't paid a single bill of mine. They haven't made my worries go away. They haven't loved on me when my father died. They didn't comfort me when the the vultures came to pick on my bones. And I'm still in flesh yet. So I don't worry about it. Can tell you my story of salvation. I don't even know if it makes sense to you, but you know, let's 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 get real right now. So, this is how I was saved. My story of salvation, I like everybody else's story. My story is wild, y'all. When I tell you that I knew God was real, but I chose not to serve Him because I was frustrated, I was angry, and I was bitter, and I was mad at God. Not realizing that the very God I had turned my back on was the same one that was looking out for me every single day. So one day, soon after the, you know, soon after we get done celebrating New Year's, I get a call and my mom's not well. Within two hours, I'm back at home. And we end up having to call the paramedics. And my mom was in a bad condition. And I I felt in my spirit that she was going to, she might end up going home. But I didn't know. But I just prayed for otherwise. You know, when I saw her face, I could tell that she was checked out. She was totally checked out. And um, you know somebody is getting close to to going home, to glory. When they seeing their grandmama who done died, you know, that's always a worry sign. I said, you said, I said, you seeing grandmama. I said, she ain't been alive in 10 years. Call the ambulance. <laughs> call that, call somebody. Knock. I said, what the ambulance number? I was so scared, y'all. I forgot 911's number. You know you terrified when you forget 911. How you, 
That's the first thing you learn is 911. You learn 911 at like four years old. You know what I'm saying? But long story short, paramedics came to get my mom and she didn't even remember her own first name. She wasn't feeling well. That's just how bad it was. She didn't even know her own first name. And I was terrified. And I remember when the doctors told me, your mother has a blood count of nine. I said, what is a blood count of nine? I said, I said, I think, I think I need, I think she needs more than that to survive. They said, well, you should say your final goodbyes to her. You know, during that period, they told me to say my final goodbyes to my mother three times. You should say your final goodbyes. She won't last through the night. She won't last through the morning. She won't last through the next hour. She won't last through the next two hours. It'd be a blessing if she lasts through the next, if she lasts through the next three hours. And I went to God and I said, um, I said, Jesus, I, my mother, they're saying she's going to die. And um, I I know I haven't had a good relationship with you, and I'm sorry. But if you save her, if you save my mother, if you give me more time with her, if you spare her life, I promise you I will worship you to the day I die. You know, and I'm not going to lie. When I said this, I was just throwing it out there. I was like, I'm I'm desperate. I'll do whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I don't even know if I expected for God to answer me. I was just so desperate that I knew that I would do whatever it took. And I said, I'll do whatever it takes that, you know, I don't know if God's even listening to a sinner like me, but I, I'll give it my all. And when God answered me and when she survived, day after day, she kept on living. I saw her vitals improving and her hands starting to move. And she came out, out she came out of nearly a week coma. And when I saw all of her organs start working again, because she had total, she had nearly total organ failure. Like five of her organs started working. So when I saw her organs start working again, then when they took her off dialysis and 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 it was, I saw so many things happen that I had no choice but to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it wasn't because this is the promise I made him, but it was because I'm a woman of my word. One thing I could never get with when it came to Satan and the devil is that he's a liar. He's the father of lies. I don't like liars. Now, sometimes I may fall short. I may not always be able to do everything I say I'm going to do. Because, you know, if I say I'm leaving the house in 10 minutes, that's most likely a lie. I probably won't leave the house for another 15 minutes. I got a problem with time. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just, I'm just being honest here. But when it comes to God, God doesn't lie. And in that breath, I didn't I didn't want to lie either. If I said I was going to serve God, I was going to give him my all, I meant that. So I started going to church more. Because I was already going to church. I trying to, you know, I just trying to go just to. I was going just to see if it was impossible to build a relationship. But then I went from going to church and just dealing with church to going to church and actually trying to speak to God. And there's a difference between wanting a relationship and pretending to want a relationship. So I started trying to build a relationship with him because I thought, maybe Jesus loves me. (laughs) Maybe Jesus loves me after all, you know. He loves my mother. He loves me. Maybe Jesus loves me. Um, so that's my story of salvation. I know it's not cute. I know it's not pretty. I know it's not, you know, the typical, but that's my story, you know? And it took me years to come to the point where I am now, where I can speak about him with such joy and happiness and, and jubilee because he's worthy to be magnified and glorified. 
you know. And it took me a long time to feel that way, really. I didn't even start feeling at the way I do about him now to the pandemic happened. Once the pandemic went down, I started looking around. I said, they done put us in the house? And they put us in the house. I'll never forget this. My boyfriend started playing video games. He bought a whole PlayStation, y'all. I think that's what they call them. You know, I'm not good with video games. He bought a whole PlayStation. I'm not against PlayStation. I'm just saying. He bought a PlayStation. I went out and I bought a Bible, an extra Bible. I think I got about five, six Bibles at this point. So I went out and I bought another Bible, actually another two Bibles. And um, what I did was I started reading and studying more. And um, the more I started reading, studying, listening to more gospel, praying more, watching testimonials. I, I love hearing people's testimonials of how they got saved or how Jesus helped them, right? As I started digging more into the things of God, he started digging more into video games and ESPN. And there was nothing wrong with that. But as time went on and as he kept on saying, I'm, I, I'm agnostic, I'm agnostic, you know, and when we first got together, I didn't know he was agnostic because he told me he believed in Christ, but I could see us pulling apart. And at that moment, I realized we had decided to serve different people. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you love somebody, you care about someone, but you realize that you serve different masters. And when my dad was in his final days, All he did was tell him lies, string him along, acted like, you know, he was a man that he wasn't. And it got to a point where he was like, yeah, I'm going to propose to your daughter and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, And it was just, it was really irritating. It hurt me. You know, when my dad died and his attitude just got worse and he started showing who he truly was underneath it all. It turns out he was only behaving while my dad was alive because I had a male presence in my life. And I thought, I don't want a man to treat me a certain way based on whether or not my father is living. Because even though he's dead, I was still raised by a man who loved me. And even if I never had a father, I still have my heavenly father. And I don't think someone should treat you a certain way based on whether or not you have a male presence directly in your life who can check them. But God's really been working with me lately on forgiving him. That's been hard for me. And also forgiving my family members that hurt me. That's been hard for me because I got a long list of people who hurt my feelings, (laughs) y'all. I I keep that, you know, deep down, I keep a Rolodex. If you know what a Rolodex is, I'm kind of old school. I keep a Rolodex in my mind of people who hurt me. And right now, I can feel that God's been wanting me to get rid of that Rolodex, get rid of that list of people that hurt me, to just forgive them. So right now, I'm going to turn to scripture. Um, it says... I'm going to read a scripture on forgiveness. And it says that if we confess, I'm sorry, 1 John 1, 19, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us in our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I believe that if God can forgive me of my sins, surely I can forgive the people that hurt me. Because at the end of the day, I have to be the example that I want to see in the world. 
So I'm also going to read Colossians 3.13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against ye, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And I think that's the hard part. How do you forgive someone when they've hurt you? In, in some cases, some people have hurt us multiple times. How do we get to the point where we're like, okay, this person did what they did, but you have to let it go anyway. And I think that's the hard part. Being the person that can that can that can still love on someone even when they've done wrong. Even when they've made you feel like there's no getting past this. Even when you feel like there's no getting over it. And in my thought, I think to myself, what can I do to be a better person? Even if I don't want to be a better person. Even if I want to be the petty person. And y'all, I'm good at being petty. I'm good at I'm good at holding grudges, but that's nothing to be proud of. So <laughs> So in that breath of realizing that's nothing to be proud of. I'm going to read y'all a poem, and it's called, it's called Better You. This is how I felt at first, just reflecting on people who've hurt my feelings, <laughs> okay? Because I'm going to tell the truth, because I'm going to bring it from one, one place to another with this. Better You. I won't wait for the better you to arrive I will take you as is. The truth suits you. No tailor could ever sew stitches so exact. It matches your delicate frame. You struck a matchstick against the sandpaper of my pain. In the trenches of the deep, my anger is being numbed by poetry. And their agony calls your name, but all the same, I won't wait. Nor want for the better you. And again... The name of that poem is Better You. And I think that sometimes we don't we're not we don't hold grudges because we don't forgive people. I think it's because we're angry because people never became the person that we could trust, that we could love, that we could truly be with. You know, or the person that that cares about us or the friend that we can rely on. A lot of times we get mad at people when they disappoint us or when they don't change or become the person that we expect them to be. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes we got to accept people as is. And I'm going to read you a poem. It's also from my book. I've been reading y'all all poems from my book from Bright Side of the Pale Moon. It's probably except for one tonight because I've been feeling real. I don't know. I'm just in a mood to read poems tonight from my book, Bright Side of the Pale Moon. I'm going to finish the poem off of one from my blog. The name of this poem is What is Grace? It's the power to walk away from a bad situation with your head held high. The courage to take the high road, even when it adds on additional travel time. Or maybe it's the way you make people feel when they leave. The twinkle in your eye as you turn your head and wave goodbye ever so delicately. 
You send people sailing on smooth accolades when you talk about life. It's the efforts you take to do what's right. You are the bee's knees because you live with grace and you walk with ease. In times like these, we need people who stand above their enemies. And the name again of that poem is What is Grace? And I believe that grace and mercy is what God gives us every day when he allows us to wake up, when he forgives us of our sins, when he loves on us, when we refuse to love others. That is something that only God can teach us. And we have to be like our father. Because we love our father, because our father first loved us. Right. And I think that's the beauty of of having Jesus Christ in my life is that he calls me to be a better person, even when I'm not. <laughs> OK, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to sit up here and lie about it. You know, God calls me to be a better person. Even when I can't relate to it. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, even when I fail to understand the importance of being a person. That loves. And that desires to be loved even when I don't understand what it means to be loved by someone that I care for sometimes. And that's where forgiveness comes into play. So I'm going to read you another poem. This is from my blog, Black 20-something. You know, the one I was struggling with spelling earlier. Oh, that was so embarrassing. Please don't judge me. I was talking so fast. I got caught up in my own words and letters for the alphabet. Okay, so the name again of this poem is Hard to Break. Thousands of miles separate distant hearts. A space that missed and longed for you is within arm's reach but still so far away. Arguments, tense conversations, childhood trauma and broken dreams left us hurt but speechless. How can a soul piece together pressure and stress that it can't comprehend? Years of words that went unspoken, feelings that failed to penetrate the marble skin of complicated experiences. Can we visit each other in our place of frustration? Or has the wall of contempt crept up on us? In a world full of people that smile like jack-o'-lanterns, hiding their true selves in the day, they party and embrace in the dark cover of night. Does happiness fade when childhood is over? Why do adults run to vices that grin and smiles and partial smirks refuse to acknowledge, drinking for the sake of not remembering, recalling the facts only to smoke away the reminders, wrapped in the solace of shadows reflecting off the moon, Turn on a light in a bedroom, open the closets, address the monsters underneath the bed, utter the truth you endured but never said. We search through old records to expose new desires, dance into rhythmic music, balancing on the soles of excited feet. No person is exempt from the difficulties of life. So we hold each other with gentle palms. Everybody has problems, but the hours move forward. The days roll on, weeks fly, and months ease by, letting sunshine expose the parts that corroded rust took over. We may be worn, but we're not easily broken. Again, the name of that poem is Hard to Break. And I want to thank you for joining me tonight. 
I want to thank you for being here. Again, this is episode 13 of Hope Speaks. You are awesome. You are a wonderful audience. I appreciate you. I love you. May God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the unblemished lamb slain for the sins of the world, may he comfort you during this time if you need comforting. May he lift you up in joy, peace, and love. All right, till next time, this is Isha Montgomery. Be beautiful, be blessed. Bye.